Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Well, I'll take your Bibles if you have them with you. And by the way, bringing a Bible with you is something I highly encourage, man. Just bring it with you, mark it up. If somebody told you you can't write in your Bible, they lied to you. Um, and I, I've got a friend here at the church who's been coming since we were in the earliest days in the plumbing building, and he takes notes in his Bible, which terrifies me because he's been writing notes on my sermons for almost 30 years, which means if I'm, he's like got notes on almost every verse I've ever preached on. So he's like, oh, I know what he's going to say here. So I try and mix it up a little bit, but a great way to follow along. I love today because it's so hopeful. There's just something about child dedication, uh, families and babies. It's like the most hopeful season of life. We've got this little one that can't do anything wrong, and even when they do something wrong, it's not their fault, and we're just, we're in love, and everything, it was just, we're looking, and I think that's the way it should be. It's a world full of possibilities. And we've been, for the last month and a half or so, we've been talking about these candid conversations that Jesus had after his death and resurrection with people, with his disciples and with others. And we finished today with that series and with one of the most famous of those conversations. And it is, just like today, hopeful. I think it frames the story of the gospel. This whole thing that we're doing and worshiping, and it's hopeful. And that's the message Jesus is bringing to bear, a hopeful message for you and for me and for our world. Let me, let me read it to you because we've now stepped out of the gospels, you may have noticed, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four biographies, if you're new to Scripture, four biographies written of the life of Jesus. And then the next book in your Bible is the book of Acts, which is a book of history. And and it turns out, let me read you the first verse and give you a little background. It says, in my first book, I told you. So Luke is the author of the book of Acts, and he's also, famously, the author of the book of Luke. You guessed it, right? Look at that. You guys are like fast, right? And so this is, in many ways, Acts is something of of a sequel. And he says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and to teach. He said, so I told you the story and the life of Jesus And everything he did and everything he taught, and verse 2, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. And then he says, by way of, uh, of description, he says, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And we've seen that. Those are these candid conversations. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. He's just saying, he said, this is what Jesus was doing. There were 40 days after his resurrection, between then and when this passage here is about to happen, and Jesus appeared to many people, and he showed them he was actually, physically, verifiably alive. And it says, 
he talked to them about the kingdom of God. He was telling them, this is the new world you're living in. The world has changed. In some ways, the trees look the same, the sun looks the same, and, but the world has changed because of what has happened on the cross and in the empty tomb. And so here's what happens next, and this is where we pick it up. Verse 4. It says, Once when he was eating with them, Jesus, he commanded them, do not leave. So Jesus is meeting with his disciples, and he commands them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so we have this new season, this new period of life that is coming uh, where, where the world is changing. And, the, and, and Acts represents something of a transitional period. Verse uh, 5. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? <laughs> They're still stuck on this, right? This has like been the thing. Like when the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, that seven, six, seven, eight weeks, they're like, hey, we're going to be in charge. This is awesome. Victory is nigh. Our king is coming. The military is ready. We're going to throw off the Roman rulers. And then it didn't happen. And Jesus died. And they all went away because the plan didn't happen. And now Jesus is back. And they think, oh, the plan is going to happen. And they say, is this it? Is, is, is this the time? Has the time come? And Jesus has to disappoint them again. In verse 7, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know. Listen, you need to let go of that. You need to let go of your plans for being in power. And then verse 8. I, this is where I, I just want to spend a few minutes. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and to the ends of the earth. And he uses this language that's similar to the, the great commission that we see at the end of Matthew. Matthew uh, 28, 19 and 20. He says, I, you know, go, go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. Same language here. This is where he's picking up this, this idea. He says, you're going to be witnesses telling people about me everywhere. And so he says, listen, you need to drop this idea that somehow you're, you're coming into power, like that you're going to be the, the ruling empire. That's, that's not what this is about. Instead, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, and I want you to be witnesses. Now, he's using language here that is not exactly familiar to us. It's the language of, of kings and kingdoms. And, and we don't live in that world, but it was written to those people in those worlds. And what would happen is when a, when a king would come into his realm, he would, he would uh, uh, arise to the throne, it added stability to the kingdom. It, it might not be a good king, but it was better than having warring factions going at each other. And so when a new king rose, his emissaries would 
go out and they would, this is before you had YouTube and Instagram and social media, CNN, Fox News, take your preference, right? It didn't exist, so they would send people out and they would go to all the villages and they would tell people in all the villages, the king has come. The king has risen to the throne. And this is what he's telling. He says, I want you to go and tell people everywhere that the world has changed, that there is a new king and a new kingdom that they can live in and for. It's the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. That's what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to tell them with your words and I want you to show them with your life. I want you to take that everywhere into the world. That's your mission. But it says something here also. It says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and it will give you power to be witnesses. And and I, that, that's an interesting idea that you'll get power. Exactly what is the power meant to be? What, what is this, this power? Because honestly, the disciples were feeling powerless, right? They, they were like, Lord, is it time? Is your kingdom come? Because <laughs> we're tired of, we're tired of being captive to the Romans. And so he says, listen, you're going to receive power to be, to be witnesses. That power, it can mean a number of things. Was it supernatural power for certain? In the early church period, there was a supernatural manifestation of power that gave witnesses that these disciples, these apostles who had been with Jesus were actually telling the truth. And the miracles, wonders, and signs were evidence of that supernatural power. I think, though, there's something else to this power. There's power in the, in the words. There's something, there's something supernatural about the, about the scriptures and something that we can't take credit or claim for, right? When we open this word and when you go and you, you tell the story of Jesus, there's a, there's a power to the name of Jesus. There's a power to his story that we don't take credit for. Like it goes out and it sparks a movement and lives are changed. If you've ever seen somebody who's just who's just encountered Jesus Christ and encountered him through their work and is like voraciously reading scripture and it's transforming their lives. You know that there's something happening there that is powerful and you as a witness don't get to take credit for it. I think that's, I think that's a part of it here. There's a power in the word. There's a power in the witness that is due to the Holy Spirit and not the one who is the witness. But I also think there's something, if you look at the trajectory of the, the disciples and the ones he's speaking to, it seems that a lot of the power was the power to, to be a witness, and that was the power to, I don't know how else to say this, to suffer. The power to suffer, like to, to withstand Suffering, because the disciples were about to withstand suffering. They, they didn't realize what it was going to be like, but, but it was coming. And he was going to give them the power to do that. We saw that with Peter a week ago when he said, Peter, your love for me is going to grow so much that you will be transformed and you will give everything for me. You'll have the power to do that. And I think there's a bit of this here saying, listen, I'm going to put in your life, disciples, and in your life, 
and in your life, and in your life, and in your life, and in my life. He says, I'm going to put that in your life. I'm going to give you the power to stand and be a witness for me in this world. Because you're going to be standing to be a witness. And the, the, the current of the world is going to be going this way. And you're going to be walking the other way. And you won't be able to do it on your own. You're going to need a power that doesn't belong to you and I'm going to give it to you. Have you ever, you ever gone down to, it's almost that time of year, go down to the beach. Some of you have already been in. I saw somebody swimming the other per- day. I'm like, that's either a crazy person or somebody who bought a vacation and thought it was going to be warm on Cape Cod this time of year. It's like, it's like, I don't care, I'm going swimming. I'm like, oh, you, I saw somebody in a full wetsuit too from here down. I'm like, that's the smart person right there. You ever go down to the beach though and you just, you know, the, you, you stand right in the edge of that water and you dig, your, you dig your toes in and the current comes in, right? And then, it, and then it comes back out, right? And it's like moving all the, you can feel it. You can feel it pulling, pulling, pulling. But your, your feet are kind of, you might have to dig your toes in and you're, you're like digging in because the current's pulling, 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 pulling. And you're digging in, but you're, you can feel it. And it's, it's, it's almost sort of, it's sort of fun to see how deep, how deep they'll go down. And I think that's a, that's a picture of what's, what he's saying. I'm going to give you the power to stand. You're going to be rooted in me. And when the current is pulling against me, the power that you have through me, you're rooted, you're standing. If you abide in another place, Jesus said, if you abide in me, I'll abide in you. You'll have all the strength, all the power you need, and you're rooted, you're founded, you're, you're steeped in him. Have you ever, you ever though, been out and maybe you're swimming over your head and the, that, that, that little riptide catches you? You ever been there? Tammy and I were on vacation a few years ago. We were celebrating our I guess it was our 20th, and uh, we were in Hawaii, and it's as beautiful as they say, but what they don't tell you is the water is terrifying. I mean, the waves just, they just, I mean, we, we didn't hardly swim at all. We finally found one little bay where you'd go snorkeling, and we were snorkeling, and we were, there was a one inlet where the water came in, a kind of a protected bay, and the water came in this way, and we happened to be like snorkeling over there, and you know, you've got your head down, you're looking at all the things underneath, and I'm swimming, and I'm looking at the rocks, and I'm swimming, 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 swimming and I'm seeing the same rock. <laughs> That's not supposed to happen. Like, so I swim harder and harder, and I realize I'm like making like no progress. And I mean, for a moment, like I got, I, I, I panicked. I could feel it, like, oh. like I'm, man, this, this, this current. I'm not grounded in anything. I don't, I don't have the power I need. And I, I think in part, that's what Jesus is talking about. I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the power to stand, the power to, to endure, to be a witness to me in this world. And that's what I want you to do. Now, this next part is fascinating, right? So no sooner is he done telling him, I'm going to give you this power to be witnesses. And then verse 9, here's what it says next. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. He's gone. 
It's just he's ascended into God. Uh, there's something interesting that's happening here in this, in this passage. Jesus this is what we call the ascension of Jesus. And famously, today is actually in, uh, in liturgical settings is Ascension Sunday, right? The Sunday when the church celebrates the ascension of Jesus, 40 days or so after the resurrection. But, but there was a tradition, and there, there's something that's really beautiful that's happening here. As Jesus, who's spent 40 days showing himself bodily, eating with people, celebrating with people, talking to people, letting them touch the wounds in his hand. And now 40 days later, he, he ascends into, into heaven. So the, the, the interesting thing is happening. There was a tradition in the Roman Empire at this time that, that when an emperor died, one of his people, one of his, one of his entourage that were closest would go out and announce that the emperor had died and that they saw his spirit, not his body because his body was still there. They saw his spirit ascend into heaven. And that was a sign that the emperor had been deified. Now, the reason this happened, watch the dynamic here. The emperor has died. His spirit ascends into heaven. He's now a god. And his son who's taking over is a son of God. So it was very much in his interest to have somebody who said, oh, I saw something like his spirit ascend into heaven. So in some ways, what Jesus is doing here is he is upending. He's one-upping. He's saying, no, 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 no. Let me show you what it really looks like when a living God, the Son of God, is resurrected and ascends to heaven, not just in some mystical spirit, but bodily ascends. He's saying, I am the real ruler of the world. Take notice. This is the kingdom, and I am the king. Oh, you may not be able to see it in every ways, but this invisible kingdom is the most powerful, enduring kingdom of all. And I am its king. Here's what it says next. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. I've always loved this passage here. Men of Galilee... <laughs> Why stand ye? Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Like, you're, you're what are you all doing? They're like, what? Like, Jesus, what are you doing? I thought, I, I, I thought you were back. I thought we were back. We got to pay it back together again. We're like the Jesus and the disciples and we're going to take the world and you just told us to be, you know, witnesses. We're going to have power. And now you're gone. What? Which is it? And the angels come and the angels say, oh, 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 oh. They're both true. Jesus will one day come back just like he promised. Oh, he'll be back and he'll be back in power. But what he also said is, 
is true as well. He sent you out to be witnesses of a new kingdom. The kingdom is here. And, and if I could, and, and, and this, is, this is important and I think helpful, and I, I, I just I, I want to stay here for a minute as we wrap this up. It's this, this idea that we often miss that heaven is now and not yet. <laughs> that takes some explaining, so let me explain. Heaven is now and not yet. See, we think of heaven as not yet, but then it says kingdom of heaven, and we're like, well, what's the kingdom of heaven? That much just mean, that just, I don't know what that means. That just means heaven is something that's not yet. Heaven is something that happens when you die. It's a good place you go to. And if we're not careful, what we, what we fall into the trap of thinking is that Christianity is all about getting people into heaven. So what, what, this is, this is our message, like, oh, hey, life stinks, but you die. Awesome. And you'll go someplace good. That's what Jesus is offering, but that's not what he's offering. He's saying, no, 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 no. The kingdom is now. The power is now. I'm at work in this world now. The kingdom of heaven is now. And it's not yet. It's like, it's like telling somebody they've got an inheritance and forgetting to tell them that they can get access to it while they're still, you know, alive. So all life, they're like, oh man, I, someday, 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 someday I'm going to have, man, I'm going to be all set because I got an inheritance coming and not realizing that you have access not to the complete thing because one day when Jesus returns he will set everything that is wrong to right but it's still now he's still at work and we still have access we can still walk into that bank and pray and ask and see him at work in the world do you, do you see what, 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 if we're not careful we've been we, we've made Christianity like like all this whole story about getting people into heaven and it is that don't listen that's a big deal but it's not the only deal I love how Dallas Willard said it let me let me read it to you he said um Dallas was one of the great writers and if you're up for a challenge he, he's a little bit he's a little bit dense I'm, a, I'm not gonna lie it's it's heavy reading but this you this we can all get here it is a fundamental mistake of the conservative side of the American church today and much of the western church is that it takes as its basic goal to get as many people ready to die and go to heaven it aims to get people into heaven rather than to get heaven into people Well then, a friend of mine quoted that the other day, and oh, that was pretty good. I wish I'd thought of that. So I wrote him. I said, could you give me that again? I need that for Sunday. <laughs> Our job is not just to don't, listen, don't hear me saying that's an unimportant byproduct. It is our ultimate hope, but it's not... It's not the only gift that he gives us. And getting heaven into people is the reality that God is at work in this world. That when everything seems broken and empty, you have somewhere to turn.
You can look to him. When, when you see this, when you see the, the kingdom of heaven, the God at work in the world, you, you begin to realize, and you see it all through the pages of Scripture. Let me read to you one last passage in 2 Corinthians. I was reading this this week. Tammy and I were sharing this uh, with each other. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, you're going to want to write this verse down. It's good. In fact, you can go all the way back and start at 16, but let me just read to you verse 18. It says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. We fix our gaze in other words, listen, you're living in a new world with a new kingdom and a new king. And you're probably going so fast, working so hard, that most days you don't even see it. But I want you to stop. I want you to take your eyes off of the troubles which are consuming your soul. And I want you to fix your gaze on the invisible kingdom of God. I want you to be reminded and to see him at work in this world. Because when you do that, you discover this. I can pray to him. I can ask him. <laughs> I can even be in the midst of many troubles, hopeful. I can be hopeful. How beautiful is that? Little baby crying in the background. That's good too, man. Love that. It's like background music for me. Just for today. How beautiful to be reminded. Take your eyes off of those troubles. He's not making light of them. He's just saying they can't last. They can't outlast the work of God in this world. And fix your gaze on the invisible king and his kingdom. See God at work. Be reminded of how powerful he is in the midst of your troubles. That's power. I'd be remiss if I went through all of that and I didn't give someone here a chance to say yes to Jesus. <laughs> Maybe you're just here and you're like, that's the Jesus I want. That's the king I need in my life. I'm ready to say yes to him. I just want to finish by inviting you to give your life to Jesus. If you've never done that, Say yes to his gift of forgiveness once and for all as your Savior. Would you bow with me? Heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And just a quiet moment. <clears throat> you may need this moment just to fix your gaze on the invisible kingdom of God. And the king is in charge of everything. Take your eyes off of that trouble and fix it on him.
But maybe you've been running through life and you've run right past Jesus. But today, here this morning, you're ready to give your life to him once and for all, to place your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. We often use that imagery of inviting him into your life to be your Lord, your Master, your Savior. I invite you to do that. There's no magic words. There's just a prayer of faith that comes from your heart. I'll lead you in a prayer, but you don't have to wait on me. Just pray to him. Quietly, right where you're seated. He'll hear you. You could pray something like this. Dear God, you know everything about me. And you love me. You've forgiven me. And I accept your gift of forgiveness. I trust in you, Jesus Christ, as my Savior. Help me now to live my life for you. I pray. In Jesus' name. 